The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for joining me for the show today. I'm Diane Ray. I'm glad you could check in and be present with me for a little while, wherever you are in the world. I love when people join me for the show. So today is a special show. We're kind of all all over the world here. Um, I'm going to be talking to uh, someone in Australia, and I I love that. I love connecting (laughs) all across the globe. Um, So we're going to be chatting with Paula Meyer and Denise Dealwart about living beyond grief and loss. And nothing turns your life upside down more than the death of a loved one. Um, I've lost both my parents, and I know that you know it's it's been seven years since my mother passed and my father passed in 03. And really, I can honestly say not a day goes by that I don't think of them, uh, that I wish I could speak with them. I do try to speak with them as, as often as I can, you know, in my head. <laughs> but, I mean, there really is kind of before... And after, you know, nothing is really the same when you go through something like that. And people deal with grief in different ways. And sometimes grief can take over your life and become unmanageable. So today we're going to talk about coping with grief and loss, especially for women. And my guests today are Paula Meyer and Denise Dealwart. And Denise is joining me in Australia which I think is so cool because it's already tomorrow in Australia. <laughs> uh, Denise and Paula run retreats for women dealing with grief and loss, and their Journey Beyond Grief Widows Healing Retreats are held to help women get off the grief roller coaster and find joy and purpose in their lives again. And both women come to this work from personal experience, and, and we're going to hear their stories. Paula lost her husband in June of 2018 to throat cancer at the age of 62. And Denise became a widow at the age of 51 when she lost her husband, Martin, to an unexpected blood clot. And Denise then studied and became a certified grief coach and mentor working with widows. So you can visit their website and find out a lot more information, livingbeyondgriefandloss.com. So I'd like to welcome both of you ladies. Thank you so much for joining me for the conversation. Thank you. Hi. Thank, Thank you. Great to be here from Australia. <laughs> I, lo- I love your accent. <laughs> That's great. So let's let's get into uh, a little bit of your background. So Paula, I just wanted to to start with you, and you came to this work by first being a client of Denise's. Yes. So I I wanted to find out a little bit of your experience. So you met Denise uh, after your husband died. How did you two come together? Well, actually, um, it was it's a very synchronistic story. Um, uh, which we all love those kinds of things. But um, after my husband passed, um, I was actually 54 at the time, and he was 62. And I w- was working for um, a well-known author, Dr. Joe Dispenza. I'd been with him for nearly 12 years. And um, I just was having, you know, being his event director, being super busy all the time, and then having, you know, to deal with uh, caregiving for my husband was 
was a, a real challenge. And um, I actually found Denise through a Facebook um, ad that she had posted. And, um, you know, my boss had suggested that I talk with a grief coach. And I, I, I didn't want to speak with just anybody. I wanted to speak with somebody who had experienced what I experienced, you know, basically another widow. And and I found her. And so we got to talking that first, um, the first call. Um, Denise offers a free breakthrough call for um, any anyone in her group. And so during that first call, you know, she was telling me about her program and, and um, you know, I told her, you know, it's an eight week program. And I said, well, I'm not sure I can commit, you know, to doing the eight weeks, you know, in sequence. I said, because I travel a lot. I've got a really busy job. And and I said, you know, I'm by the way, I'm going to be going to Australia. And, and she says, oh, well, you know, um, what part of Australia are you going to? And I said, um, going down to the Sunshine Coast. And she says, well, I'm, I'm near the Sunshine Coast. And she, and she goes, what uh, what event are you running down there? And I said, well, I'm uh, uh, running an event for Dr. Joe Dispenza. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm going to that event. <laughs> Very so, synchronistic. Yes. And, and, <laughs> So it was, it was really great because, you know, usually the ladies that work with her online don't get to meet her. So I, I got a chance to meet her before the event started and we, you know, had lunch together and, you know, what was really, not only was she a widow like me, but she also had the same way of thinking that I do about how, you know, um, we create our own realities and we, um, you know, we we have a choice in how we're going to move forward and that there's a gift in everything that happens to us. So, so that's how we met. And, um, then I had, uh, once I retired from my job at the end of February, I did some traveling with my mom and was still talking with Denise. And by the way, it took me four months to complete her eight week course. So, so she was super, um, super, um, supportive of me with that. And, uh, but the course was, was instrumental in helping me move forward. I mean, I, um, you know, there's just some things that, that um, you know, only really widows can understand what you're going through when you've lost your life partner. And so for me, that was really helpful. And, you know, I thought, you know, ha having been an, an event director for, um, uh, you know, a really great teacher, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool to bring these um, online courses to a live retreat because connection is so important. So, so we talked and, and, uh, you know, we, we thought it was a great idea to collaborate and, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of where we're at. That sounds like it was just meant to be because everything kind of fell together so perfectly yes. as far as the timing and everything. So, you know, you're on the right path, right? When those right. kind of things happen and <laughs> those people right. come into your orbit and, well, and it's meant to be, that's, that's yeah. so amazing. Yeah. The other and thing Denise, really the other thing that was really synchronistic about it is when I talked with Jill Angelo from Unity Village about having the event there, because I met them at an event, uh, Celebrate Your Life event, and I decided to do a, a site visit to check the campus out. And um, when I called to talk with Jill Angelo, she, she was like, wow, this is such a great thing. And she told me her story about um, actually losing her fiance many years ago and that she couldn't get any support because she wasn't a true widow. None of the, the grief support groups would let her in because, you know, she wasn't married and, um, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, a tr you know, the traditional meaning of, of widow. So with our groups, um, our retreats, you know, they're open to all women who have lost a life partner, you know, whether it's a husband, a wife, a long-term domestic partner or a fiance. I mean, 
you've all lost your life partner. So I just thought that was synchronistic too, that, you know, the lady I spoke with, Jill Angelo at Unity Village was, um, you know, affected as well and really supportive of us. Right. Now, I'm glad you gave a shout out to Jill. She's awesome. (laughs) And she was the one that introduced us, uh, you and I, we met at the event in March, the Women's Summit. Correct. And uh, and we we talked a little bit about that. And I'm really glad you brought up that point about a life partner and whether or not, you know, you're quote married or, or sanctioned, or, you know, as, as an official life partner, I, I didn't, you know, I never really thought about that, but I mean, and Denise, maybe you could answer this, you know, do some people think that it hurts less if the relationship maybe isn't as long as some others or why is there kind of that misconception? Well, it's beliefs, you know, society conditions us to believe in certain ways and, what happens is is that ladies buy into the beliefs. We all do. We buy into the belief that the longer that you've 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 been together, the longer the, the more you love, or you know you've got to be married to really appreciate your husband, or whatever the beliefs are. And what happens is that they cling on to those beliefs, thinking that they're grieving and they're grieving for such a long time because maybe they were married for 45 years. And you know they, they they might you know they might think and another lady might think well I was never married so I'm not really a widow, and unfortunately there is no other word to describe somebody that's lost their life partner. The only word in the English language is widow, and I wish there was another word because widow is such a defining word. It, it puts everybody in a box. It's it's a label. It's just a label to label somebody that's a, a woman that's lost the love of her life, lost her life partner. And it right, or matter. even, I was going to say, even uh, same-sex relationships. Absolutely, absolutely. It doesn't make the love any less. You know, there's no there's no judgment. There's no, um, you know, hey, I was married and you weren't, So, and you were engaged and I was married for all this time, or I knew my husband. You know, like in my case, I knew my husband since, I met him when I was 16. And he passed away really suddenly, but that doesn't make my my grief any worse or any better than anybody else's, because death is final. It's so final. You right. can't go back. And there's the finality of that and the realization, you know, whether you've you've nursed that person, whether you were married, whether you were same sex, it doesn't matter. It's love, and all there is is love. Right, and those and those feelings are valid. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And Denise, they call you the widow whisperer. (laughs) How do you you feel about that title? Oh, you know, initially I had a little giggle and then I realized that really, you know, with my flow program and my method, it's really fast. You know, within the first week of us working together, ladies have huge shifts in in their moving forward in their grief. Because we're working on themselves. They're working on themselves. So, um, you know, it doesn't take years. Grief doesn't take years and years and years like we're all led to believe it does. Right. And I wanted to ask you, you know, and, and you too, Paula, to get your your take on this. You know, I look at the way other cultures handle death and grief and and things are, are just so vastly different. Like you look in the other side of the world, like in India, where, you know, they'll actually have a big pyre and the, and the whole family gathers around for the cremation and, you know, people take part in it. And it seems like in a lot of other cultures that death and, and grief are, are handled 
very differently and, and talked about in, in very different ways. And how do you, how do you think, well, and Denise, I guess you could address maybe is Australia that much different from, from the U S like I think sometimes the way death is handled in this country is like, people don't want to talk about it. They're so uncomfortable and it should be a natural part of life. Right. Absolutely, death is death is the same all over the world in in the in the um, Western societies. I would say because we've been conditioned that you know you don't talk about death because that's being doom and gloom, but death is just is inevitable. We're all going to die as we were born, but what happens is is that we are we we tend to hang on to that the, the old the old ways of doing things and and wail and cry and. Then guilt, we feel guilty, or we're made to feel guilty in society if we start moving forward too fast. Because, maybe, you know, is all that judgment that's put on us or, or put on widows. Right, or, or what we're taught. And, and Paula, I was just curious, what what was the discussion like when you were growing up? I mean, for me, I remember we we didn't really talk about it until I got older and my parents got a little older. You know, then I, I asked them, you know, what what do you want to do? You know, what are your wishes? And, you know, when, when my mother got sick, she was very adamant. She wanted to do not resuscitate. She didn't want, you know, extreme measures taken to, to keep her alive, um, you know, as, as she was in late, later stage colon cancer. But it was really only until that point that we really talked about it. And I, and I say, I think that's a shame. Like there were so many things I wish that, that I could have asked her. What, what was it like for you growing up, Paula? Did, did, was there a conversation around that? None. I mean, we never talked about it. I mean, I uh, occasionally remember, you know, you know, going to funerals here and there, but um, it, it never really was anything that we um, spent a whole lot of time talking about before or after. And, um, you know, with Gary, you know, he had a long illness. And um, so we had a lot of time to talk about it. And, and I think because of, you know, him and I are, are both on, we're both on a similar path. Um, and how we believe about things. And so, you know, we had good conversations about, you know, death and dying and, and you know, you know, connecting after he's passed and, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, he he didn't want to do, you know, we had the DNR for him as well on the do not resuscitate form. And, um, you know, and he chose to die at home. And, um, you know, I initially was a little afraid of that because, you know, you know, I've never experienced that, but it was such a beautiful experience um, when it did happen. I mean, he was in, in his home where he felt comfortable and um, it was it was a, you know, a relatively easy passing for him. And afterwards, um, you know, his brother was here with me and, you know, him and I together um, cleaned him up and got him ready. He was going to be um, cremated later um, and you know, the, the, the funeral home. So keep him as long as, you know, just, just not more than 24 hours, but just call us when you're ready. And, and we kept him here, you know, after we cleaned him up and got him dressed and, you know, we um, each had our moments, you know, a little bit of time with him. And then, then we went down and had dinner and then we both came upstairs with a bottle of beer and sat on either side of him and toasted him and sent it up, sent him off on his way. So, um, you know, so that was really beautiful. And, you know, I don't remember ever hearing anything, anybody doing anything like that when I was growing up. And I think it was just a really great way to, to send him off, you know, um, mm -hmm. not, not in a hospital, you, know, you know, when you're in a hospital setting, you know, they, they, they just try to move him out right away and there's no time for, I think it's important to let the body and the spirit 
have, you know, a little bit of time to adjust, you know, to, to that transition. And it was really beautiful. Right. And giving you a chance to say goodbye and, you know, have, and have those feelings. I think that is something that you came up with to help other people's experience in in this country is totally the opposite. Like you said, most people are, uh, you know, end up in a a hospital or, or something like that. And, and just being able to talk about it, I mean, I had a, a good friend of mine recently had lost her mother, and just the way she handled it was, um, it was so sad because they never really talked about it. So she was kind of totally unprepared. There, there was no discussion. You know, she didn't know what to do and was just left so shattered when it could have been just such a different experience. And I, I just really feel strongly that that whole conversation needs to change. Um, I know things aren't going to, aren't going to happen right away, but it is interesting when you look back and you think about it because we, I mean, my parents never, we never discussed that. And I don't think I ever really went to a, a a funeral, like a real, you know, body was laid out. I grew, I grew up Catholic. So like that kind of funeral. Um, and that was, that can be kind of a shock sometimes too, you you know, being in that, in that situation. So, yeah, I think if we just speak freely about things and and have just a different conversation, people's, people's situation would be a lot different. Um, so Denise, I, I wanted to ask you too about, you had mentioned the flow method for healing grief and working with widows. So, and and what does that mean? What does flow mean? So the flow method is a, is a method that I created because I realized that when I was going through my grief, because Martin passed away so suddenly, there was no goodbyes, you know, there was nothing. He was just gone in an instant. And I shut down. I shut down completely. And that's in a normal human way. A body does that. It just shuts down. And I struggled to show my emotions and to actually feel my pain and to feel my emotions. I just basically soldiered on. Because that's what my mother always used to tell me growing up as a kid. Denise, just get over it. You'll be fine. Just soldier on. So I tried that same method and it didn't work. And through me becoming a a life coach specializing in grief and working only with widows, I realized that we need to feel the very first step before we can do anything is to feel our emotions. So flow stands for feel, let go, overcome and become whole. Because until we actually feel our pain and feel our hurt, we can't heal. And the letting, the letting go is not letting go of the memories. You know, so many widows and so many ladies are so scared that they're going to forget. If they let go, they're holding on so tight that they don't want to let go because if they let go, they're going to forget about all the memories, forget about their husband. But love is love. You never forget that. What you're letting go of is the pain, the guilt, the, the, um, the heartache that's keeping you stuck because only then can you overcome and become whole. And letting go of the anger, too, as well. A lot of people feel that, don't they? Yeah, a lot of people feel. I, would, I wouldn't say anger. It's more frustration because there's nothing you can do. Um, you know, I don't believe anybody really gets angry. There's nothing to be angry about. It's frustration. It's because it, it, it's so final. You can't go back and change anything. And that's where, you know, it then goes into the feeling guilt. If only I could have, I would have. And my husband passed away in hospital from a blood clot. We were speaking at 7.30 and at 11 o'clock he passed away. I was living eight hours away, so I wasn't even close to the hospital. So wow. my guilt my guilt was huge. If only I had, could have. Maybe I should have stayed with Martin. Maybe I should have, you know, heard on the phone that, that he was tired and that 
all this comes up. And it was only when I started actually really feeling my emotions that right. I started healing. Or what you could have done differently. And some of the testimonials and, and the stories on your website are so powerful. And and I mentioned anger. There was one testimonial of, of a woman who found out, you know, all of these things about her husband that, that she yeah. didn't know, you know, that he had had another life, was, you know, having affairs and this kind of thing. And I, I thought, oh, how could you deal with that? Oh, my yes. God. I mean, how could you deal with that kind of anger? You can't get angry. The person's not there. Yeah. So, yeah, the letting go, that must have been so powerful, especially in that case. Mm-hmm. Well, that well, that lady, um, Eileen, in particular, it, within the very first week of us working together, and before she before she came to me and, and found me, she had been to counselors, therapists, grief coaches, life coaches. She had tried everything. And um, funnily enough, was determined she was going to not work with me because I would just be like everybody else. <laughs> and enrolled in the program and within the very first week she went and cleared out a storage shed that she had been putting off for two years with all her husband's belongings and everything in there she rallied her friends and said I've got to move on I've got to let go that was within the very first week wow in the first week yeah and Paula did you notice that in working with Denise did you experience a shift um in in a short amount of time um, yeah, I actually did. I mean, you know, when you when you become a widow, you get all of the information like that the um, you know the the hospice people send and everything. And and one of the biggest things is don't make any big decisions until you've at least had a year. And you know that that was you know with Denise's help, I was able to like just totally break free from that. You know, I um, I decided to um, resign from my job and I decided to um, you know take some big trips. I decided to, um, do some, uh, you know, a few things financially. And I just, you know, it, 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 it's kind of set me free in the sense that, you know, I, I didn't have to like follow, you know, the rules of, of, you know, what society says you're supposed to do with grief. And I just followed my heart. I just, you know, Denise helped me to think about, you know, what it is that I really want and, you know, think through the, you know, the, the pros and cons, consequences, whatever. And, you know, and so I was able to make decisions um, very quickly without waiting a year because I didn't want to wait a year, you know, I, I, you know, and, and the thing too, that, you know, our group, we have a lot of young widows. I mean, Denise and I are both young widows, And, um, you know, I didn't want to, you know, I'm 54. So theoretically, I could live another 30 years or more, right? So I didn't want to waste that time, I, you know, being sad, I just, I I, I just wanted a fast way to move forward. And, um, and and Denise's program helped me with that. So yeah, I I got pretty quick, even though I it took me four months (laughs) to complete it. I did, you know, it was really actually very interesting, because the, 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 timing of the sessions as, or the modules as I was doing them were, were like perfectly aligned with things that I was going through at that point in time. So, um, so it would just really helpful. I, you know, do you think that women are held to a different standard or uh, like you had mentioned the time frame, um, and do they handle things differently? And an example would be um, a, a coworker, a guy I was working with a couple of years ago, his his wife died suddenly. And really within a year, he was remarried. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and no one really thought 
there was, an, you know, they, they didn't really think too much of it. Like, oh, well, he's just the kind of man that needs to be in a relationship, that kind of thing. And I wonder if, I don't know, do you see women processing that kind of thing differently? Or maybe it was like a year and a half. But, I mean, it was pretty pretty sudden or recent from her mm-hmm. passing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yes, women process very differently. Women, we are, we are emotional beings. And men are very matter-of-fact and that's why I don't work with men because women need need help. Women need to get over the emotions. We we are we are conditioned to serve and be there for everybody else. You know, we 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 we're the ones that put ourselves last. We're the ones that don't love ourselves. So when when we suddenly find ourselves on our own, it's a whole new ball game of who am I? Because we lose ourselves, and it, it, we all do it, and in in our marriages, in our in our in our with our partners, we lose ourselves. We become one, and then suddenly we've got to find out who we are. Maybe for the first time in our lives, I was, you know, I was 51 when Martin passed away. I met him when I was 16. I had never lived on my own, so all those emotions have to come up, plus the guilt of. Oh, I don't want to move on too too quickly because maybe somebody, maybe everybody will think I didn't love him or her or that we didn't love each other. Our love wasn't strong enough. So it becomes their way of life. It actually becomes their identity. Right. How interesting, though, where with with the the guy, like the man that I was talking to, my coworker, no one really questioned in that. Oh, well, maybe he didn't love his wife because he. Yeah. He remarried quickly. I I just think that's interesting. And you're right that with women, you know, we're traditionally the caretakers and we're taking care of the family and the children and everything Mm -hmm. else, you know, running the household. And so sometimes people do lose themselves in that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, as the years go by. And then when that person's gone, then you have to kind of face yourself like, oh, you know, now now what do I do? You know, that kind of thing. Or or who am I? And, you know, asking Mm -hmm. yourself those kind of questions. It's so interesting. We're just coming up to a break and we're going to take a short little break here and then we'll come back in just a minute and talk more about uh, some of the retreats that you do and what people can expect and what they can experience at one of your amazing retreats. I'm talking with Paula Meyer and Denise Dealwart, Living Beyond Grief and Loss. And we'll be right back in just a minute. Stay close. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. And welcome back. Thanks for joining me after the break. I'm talking with Paula Meyer and Denise Dilwart, the widow whisperer. I, I like that. <laughs> it's a, it's kind of kind of funny. Um, about their work with their retreats, living beyond grief and loss. And Paula and Denise are doing just such empowering, amazing work with women uh, dealing with with a difficult subject 
uh, difficult for a lot of people to to talk about. So I'm just kind of con- continuing the the conversation of you know how people process grief, uh, how the differences between men and women. Um, what are some of the things that keep people stuck in grief and heartache? You know, we talked about guilt a little bit, uh, anger. Uh, what are some of the are there other things that keep people stuck? Oh, there's, there's, there's so, ma- so many. <laughs> Where do I start? The biggest one is, is to believe that you have to wait for time. Right. I, I have so, you know, you, you get told over and over and over by people, wait for time. Let time heal you. You know, don't t- take baby steps. It's okay. You're, you've only been grieving for two years. You know, you're still young. You've still got the whole life ahead of you. Wait for time. And that's the biggest myth that we are told to do is to wait for time because time doesn't heal. Time is just numbers on a clock. We have to heal from within. It's what you do within that time that makes the massive difference. So when you get told to just wait for time and you wait 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 and you, wait and you do nothing, maybe you read a book or you, or you, or you join a group or you do something, you, know, you think that you're doing something but you're not actually working on yourself. You're not uncovering on a, at a core level why you're stuck, the reason why. You know, it, 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 to just say, well, I'm, I'm grieving and I'm a widow, is, is that, that, that's the fact. But what are you going to do about it? How are you going to heal yourself? Because- and that's why you say on your website, you have a saying, grief does not heal, you do. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's the the, the old outdated um, five stages of grief. There are no stages in grief. That that's an outdated method dating back to the 1960s. Right. I was going to ask you about that. Like, are there stages? No. Like, we're all no. familiar with the Elizabeth Kubler Ross stages of death, but there really isn't that for grief. No, no, because the Elizabeth. I'll tell you. I don't know if you're aware, but the Elizabeth Kubler Ross stages of grief. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross did a study on people that were diagnosed with a terminal illness. And those were the stages that they went through when they were told that they only have six months or a week to live. It was never intended for grieving people. But mainstream around the world has adopted that as this is the method to grieve. And that in itself creates a lot of guilt because, oh, I didn't get angry. Oh, what do I do now? Um, am I supposed to go back and do that stage first? Where there are no stages in grief. Grief is higgledy-piggledy all over the, all over the place. Your emotions are, are, are all over. You know, you can be depressed when you listen to a song. You can suddenly wake up in the morning, you can hear a song, and it can take you down like a hammer. Boom, you're down. And then a friend can call you, and you can be way up because you've, you've been brought up. So there are no stages in grief. Right. That's that's so interesting. I'm glad you made that that distinction. And I also feel that people are so different in in how they handle things that you can't put someone in a box or in stages of, oh, this is how it is. One, two, three. And you made a great point that 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 was made for or, or those stages were for people that were told they had a terminal illness which is yeah. something totally different. And even I have an issue with that. You know, I don't think yeah. that who, who is a doctor to say that, well, you have this month, you know, six months to live. I mean, they told my mother that and she lived for another three years. And I think there's a real argument to to be made 
in that I don't think you really should tell people. I think you should say, look, you know, it, things are imminent. I mean, we're all going to die, right? But if yeah. you put like a time stamp on it, doesn't that kind of become a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way that? You, yep, you know, absolutely, absolutely. And that's what that's why ladies get stuck. That's exactly why they get stuck because they're waiting for this miraculous aha moment that's going to suddenly happen by osmosis. That tomorrow they're going to wake up and suddenly they're going to be whole again. And it doesn't work. It, you've, you've got to really rediscover who you are and reclaim your life. Right. And that right. take, that's inner work. That has to happen from within. You need to l- learn to love yourself and accept yourself unconditionally. And, Paula, I wanted to ask you, in your experience, what were some of the things, I mean, were there some things that people said to you that were just so not helpful, <laughs> you know, like the wrong things that people say to, to people that are grieving or, or to widows? I mean, can, is there an example of something that someone said that was just so off? Um, I actually have not really had that um, experience. I mean, I, I've run into people in the community that didn't know he passed and, you know, they ask how he is and that's always uncomfortable. But, but you know, those, those times that it happened weren't um weren't strange or weird in any way but what i what i will say is the things that that aren't said and i i um you know people are afraid to talk to a widow sometimes because they don't they don't know what to say they don't want to hurt her feelings and and when i went back to work um i could sense that my my coworkers, um you know were, were feeling like that like you know they'd be talking about their spouses or whatever and if i happened to walk by they'd kind of stop and and so I, you know, I said to them at a, you know, um, we had weekly staff meetings and one, one of them, I started out and I just, I just said, you know, um, I so appreciate that you're concerned about, um, you know, my sadness and everything, but I want to hear about what's going on with your families and your husbands and wives and your kids and friends and all of that. I said, cause I want to stay connected. I mean, that's what life is all about. I don't want to be isolated and I don't want anybody walking on eggshells around me cause they're afraid I'm going to you know, have a moment. And, um, you know, and I said, if I had, if I have to have a moment, I'll let everybody know, I'll go in my office and shut the door and then I'll let you know when it's good. <laughs> I only, right. only had to do that a couple of times. Um, but w- once I said that everybody was fine with it then. So I think that, that for me, it was, is probably the more, the, 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 probably the stronger thing as far as communication was just that, you know, people have a fear of how to talk about life to someone who's lost a loved one. Right. That's a good point. People are uncomfortable and they Mm. just, I think they just don't know what to say. And then rather than risk hurting your feelings or something like that, they'll just withdraw. And that can be even more painful. I mean, because you're feeling alone and, and and people aren't reaching out. (laughs) So that it's interesting how, how people handle it. Now I wanted to talk a a little bit too about transformation and, and some of the stories on your website were just so inspiring, you know, seeing what some of these women have, have gone through in the work that they've done in themselves. And uh, how can grief, you know, working with it be transformative in a positive way? Well, there's always a gift in grief. There's always the gift. What is the gift? So, you know, we've got to really work on ourselves and, and transform ourselves, learn to love ourselves. And that's inner transformation. That's the inner work. It, it's learning, you know, going back to, I guess, grassroots of, what the, what, what, what the beliefs are. We all have limiting beliefs, for example, and that we've carried with us all our life. 
that we run on a subconscious level. But once we uncover those, and once you, you realize that, hey, hang on, you know, this was just a belief, and you let it go, you can then recreate and help you form another belief, an, a, an empowering belief, instead of a disempowering belief that's keeping you stuck. Right. You know, it, it's about um, tapping into, into, into your inner being, into your soul, really. And, and Polly, oh, go ahead. I'm, go ahead and finish your thought. Yeah, and I was just going to say, and that's what creates the change because we know instinctively what is good for us, but we try and work through grief from our heads. We try and logically step by step, okay, I need to do this, I need to do that. And logic doesn't work with grief. It has to come from the heart. No, that's true. That's so true. It, and and even, you know, feeling grief. I mean, even sometimes if I if I hear a song or, you know, or, or even if I smell a perfume, sometimes if, if it reminds me of my mother or something, I might tear up. So I'll, yeah. you know, like you said, where you get those waves yeah. of feeling, yeah. you should just kind of, kind of, you know, ride that wave. And, and sometimes it, it feels okay to, you know, just have some tears and, and release that. Um, but talking about transformation, because I think this is so interesting, because I know a, a lot of women that I know just really hate change. <laughs> they, they don't want to change at all. And this is a forced, you know, change, it kind of, uh, pulls the rug out from un from under your life in a lot of ways. But then also I saw from a lot of the stories on your website that there is life afterwards. You can go on and have a lot of happy years. And, and, and Paula, your life did a total change. You know, you left, you left your job, but then you've started a whole new venture and, and a new company and working with Denise on, on these workshops. So I really wanted to ask you about how you experienced this transformation. Well, you know, like Denise mentioned a, a few minutes ago, um, really looking at the gift in all of it, you know, and, and that's hard. It's hard to to think in that way initially, because it's like, you know, nobody wants to be in the widow's club. You know, nobody, you know, you know, wants to feel that pain or, or be labeled that way. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that's what I am. That's, that's what happened. And there's nothing I can do to go back and change it. So what are the good things? So, you know, Denise and I, when we, we talk to the ladies in the group, you know, that's, it's always a challenge on how you say that. And one of the things we like to say is not call it a gift because that, you know, maybe that's too, too um, positive for, for women that are, are really sad, but you know, what are three good things that have happened to you since your partner passed, you know, we kind of started reframing it that way. And, and everybody can think about something, you know, because Gary passed, I had to learn to do different things, you know, you know, so, so what were those things? And, you know, for me, you know, one of them was I had to learn how to unclog a drain, you know? So, so if you think of it in terms of that, you know, and they could be really simple things like what, you know, what, what am I doing differently now um, that I never did before when Gary was here? And, and there's a lot of those things now. I mean, I wrote an article in a book. I, I don't know that I would have done that if he was still here because the article was about him, you know. So um, i working with Denise on these, these grief retreats, um, you know. So that, I, I think that's the, the most important thing for me is, is to look at the positive side. Like, you know, what and, – and, and Gary from the other side, what would he be thinking, you know – you know, he doesn't want me to be sad. And, you know, I, I just imagine him on the other side, just cheering me on and like, way to go, girl, you're, you're moving forward. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, I think that's, you know, there, there is so much more out there and it's hard to think about that 
when you're so sad and, and um, you know, grieving. But but the truth of the matter is, it's like, you know, it, it's it's like it's just another phase of life. It's like going from high school to college. You know, it's a whole new environment. You're going to make new friends. You're going to learn new things. You're going to have new teachers. And um, that's how I've chosen to look at it. And also, you know, with women, when that when a change like that happens, I mean, I, I see a lot of women that are really identify with the relationship. They're really afraid of being alone. And when you do these retreats, you know, some women might have to travel and they're afraid to do that on their own for the first time. How do you handle that specific fear? So I think that's something that women probably more so than men fear. Well, it's all about getting out of your comfort zone because if we continue doing the same thing every day, we're going to get the same results. And the only way to really heal and heal yourself, because grief doesn't heal. We always grieve. You will always grieve that love. You will always grieve for that loss. So to you've got to you've got to really step out. You know, it's like like Paula said, going to college. You know, remember, you know, the first day you you, you went to school when you were six, you started a whole new school career. That was nerve wracking. The day the day you get you got married, that was nerve wracking. That was stepping out of out of the out of your comfort zone. So to hop on a plane and to go somewhere is a massive step. But if you're you really want to heal and you really want to create that change, it becomes a very small step in, into healing yourself, with healing yourself, because it's it's just another step outside your comfort zone. Yes, it's going to feel uncomfortable, but once you've done it once, you can do it again. So it's just taking that first step and just letting people yeah. know, you know, I mean, you're, you're going to help them along. Uh, I mean, do you, if, if a woman wants to come to one of the retreats and she has to travel I mean, how, how do you kind of talk her through that? I mean, you don't go there and bring her there, right? I mean, she's got to get no, on the plane. Absolutely. You know, I, I ran a retreat last November in Phuket in Thailand, and one of the ladies flew from um, from the U.S., and she, she, she'd never really flown on her own. And when I hopped on the call with her, um, I coached her and helped her through her fears of, of, you know, it's okay. You'll get on the plane. There's people to look after you on the plane. You get off the plane. You'll, you know, there's, 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 there's a bus there waiting for you to bring you or, or you know, we'll give you the steps. It's, it's a step-by-step process. So you're not alone, even though you fear that you're alone. It's not like going away on a holiday on your own where you've planned everything for yourself. Right. All you have to yes. do is book your different. airfare. Yeah, get, book your airfare and get yourself to the airport, whether that's an Uber or taxi or, or a friend. or Once you're at the airport, you will be guided through onto the plane and then there's a, a step-by-step method on, on you know, either there's a, there's a shuttle bus or if there isn't a shuttle bus, there'll be a method of how to get you to the retreat centre. Once you get there, Paula and I are there and so are all the other ladies, so you're not alone. <laughs> right, right. Then then you'll be fine. Once you get there, you're fine. It's just getting there. Yeah. And, and what about the fear of love? You know, the fear of either not having, you know, oh, I'll never be in another relationship again, or, oh, I don't want another relationship again. I mean, that's got to be kind of a tricky thing to navigate sometimes with people. Or do you not really address that in in the retreats because you're working on the grief that you're not going to be talking about, well, what about the the promise of, of love in the future, another relationship? 
it's all tied to self-love. Like we cannot enter or even think of of going in or entering another relationship with anybody until we love ourselves. We have to become whole first, because right. you get it, once you step into that realm of, of and 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 it's so easy because that's an outside fix. We want we want somebody to come and complete us, and it doesn't work because it's come from that. It's it's an outside fix. We have to heal from within. So we have to heal and learn to love ourselves and become whole, then you know the exact relationship and the person that you want. Until such time is, it's just, oh, you're coming to, I need somebody else, I'm lonely, I want, I want company. So that's And then all, you have what, to be ready, right? You have, yeah, they have to be ready. And that, that's what we'll be covering in the retreats, is how to actually make yourself ready for another relationship if that's what you want. If that's not what you want, there's so much more. There's traveling. There's there's life beyond grief. Right, and you can be happy again, and you don't necessarily need another relationship for for that to be the case. I mean, I see so many groups now where, you know, there's uh, groups you can opt into for women that want to travel alone. And you know, I have several friends that have gone to Europe and Iceland and and different places, and they have no problem, you know, like with a group, but they're but they're traveling alone. So yeah, if you want if you want to have a relationship, you know, that that could be a possibility. There's a beautiful story on your website of of a woman who kind of had a second act uh with someone who was a good friend and then, you know, when her wall was ready to come down, she described, you know, she was ready to accept the love that that he was giving him and now it seems like they're blissfully happy. Yes. Yes. Yes, because she 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 did the work. She did the work on herself first. She healed herself. And then her walls came down. Her heart opened. And so let's talk a little bit about the uh, the retreats and what people can expect when they go there. So, uh, Paula, you and Denise do kind of introductory retreats, and then there's an advanced um, program. What what is the introductory uh, retreat yeah. like? Well, the uh, the introductory ones um, they're basically a two and a half day event. Um, they'll, we'll be going all day, Friday, all day, Saturday, and a half a day on Sunday. And, um, it's based on Denise's flow program. So we, we put together, um, really great sessions and activities and things that, that they're going to do. Um, the first one that we're running is in Jacksonville, Florida, um, in September. Then we go to Seattle in November, San Diego in January and Denver in March. And then, um, and, th- and then once once women have completed that one, then they're eligible to go to the um, what we're calling the advanced retreat at the Unity Village in Kansas City. And that one more, is just going to be even more experiential than the others. We'll, we'll be together five days. Um, uh, we, we've got a lot of, um, you know, it's going to be a beautiful time of year in Kansas City. We'll be outdoors doing different types of um, activities outdoors. Um, and it's just going to be a really, a, a really great transformative time you know all of them are i mean um you know denise and i have a really great uh plans for them and um and of course like i said it's based on her program her flow program and that sounds great i mean so the advanced retreat i mean that seems pretty intense so that's five days of of kind of working through these things so you require that people go to the the two, the two or three day one first, right? So that yeah. that's a prerequisite. That's a prerequisite. 
Yes. And, and really the, the reasoning behind that is just to get them in, in, into the program. Like they understand, you know, Denise is going to be taking them through, you know, different beliefs they have. And, and so they need to have a good foundation, a good foundational understanding of her program um, before coming into the advanced one, because we want them already moving forward, not just starting out because just starting out five days would be, you know, too overwhelming. So Right. That would probably be be too intense. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially if someone's just freshly experienced the loss, you know, if it's only a few months or something like that, it might it might be too intense. But then during the five day retreat, I mean, you both must have seen just so many amazing transformations with women. That's got to be so rewarding. It is. It's very rewarding. You know, when, um, when somebody. I've just enrolled a client now that um, she's been a widow for seven years and was told by so many therapists, doctors, psychiatrists, doctors, well, you name it, that that there was no hope for her. The way she had a very traumatic um, death experience with her husband. Her husband committed suicide and it was really traumatic. And she had PTSD. And um, she was told, if you have no hope, we can't help you. Wow. Who um, would say that? What I kind know. of doctor would say you have no I hope? Know. You know, her psychiatrist said to her, you know, you, you've got no hope. You're going to suffer with PTSD for the rest of your life. So that was what she believed. You know, we get told these things. We, we believe them. And when we started working together, she, you know, she said to me in our last call, she said, Denise, in 55 minutes, you've given me what none, nobody could give me in seven years. And that's the depth of, of going within and healing from within and smashing those limiting beliefs. And that's what we're going to be doing at the advanced retreat. The advanced retreat is going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Because there's always more. That just must be so amazing to witness. You know, just these people kind of, you know, letting go of those beliefs and and breaking out of their shell and, you know, realizing that there is hope and there's still Mm -hmm. a lot of life to be lived that's so beautiful. You're just doing such such important work, and I'm I'm angry at that doctor. What what kind of doctors would say those things? I know, that, I know. I was I, I was angry too when I heard that. I, I just said to you, you've got to, you've got to work with me. You have no option. <laughs> yeah, the, this is it. This this is what you have to do. You know to move forward. Yeah. Um, but yeah. this must be just so great for both of you. I mean, Paula, do you feel a lot of um, satisfaction, you know, to doing this kind of work and, and do you plan on continuing on with these retreats for, for quite some time and just building on, you know, building up this, uh, this message that you're sharing? Well, yeah, I mean, we, um, you know, for me, it's, it's, you know, kind of a, a passion project. I mean, I, I, I want to help other women, you know, heal faster and, and, um, you know, we, we don't want to see anybody, you know, wallowing in grief for years and years and years. And, and what Denise and, and I envision with these, as we're taking these women through, you know, they're going to become role models for other women, right? Because, you know, we're going to keep getting people, you know, ladies coming into the widow's club because, you know, death happens, right? So, so if we can be, um, you know, you know, think about being just a role model within your own family, you know, I want to be able to show my daughter and my, my, my nieces, um, other family members, you know, how to cope with grief. You know, it doesn't have to be a sad thing. So, uh, I mean, it is sad, but it doesn't mean that you have to put your life on the back burner forever. 
And so I, I just see this as a, a, you know, a big thing. You know, I know that there's other areas of grief, too. You know, there's other groups of people that are going through grieving, you know, different types of, of grieving, whether it's a, you know, um, men or people that have lost a child or people that have lost their parents. And, you know, you know, we've had requests about that, too. Um, but initially, we're just going with the, the, you know, working with women. So, um, you know, we'll see what the future brings. Well, I think it's so important and, and especially for women to to come together and get support around this, because I think I don't know if it's still the average age, but how how long do we outlive? <laughs> I mean, generally, isn't it, you know, the women that are left were left standing because we outlive the men? What is it? Seven years. Is that true? I would say it's even even more. Um, even more. OK. So, yeah. So we're, yeah. we're going to live, you know, we live on average, more than seven years than, than men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Men are dying um, younger and, and women are living longer. Um, that's been my experience in the last 10 years working with widows. Um, you know, in Paula's case, she was a young widow, I was a young widow. Um, so, you know, we've got 30, 40 years still left of life. Right. It's not just widow. Yeah, people sort of seem to think of a widow as a 75, 80-year-old lady right the dowager duchess you know the, yeah that's right <laughs> and that's and yeah and that's wearing not always black. the case and wearing and black wearing... for the first 12 months you know? right and right and... nothing further than the truth now it, you know it, it's it's those are all old customs and old beliefs that really need to be um just thrown out the window <laughs> yeah put to rest well, I love the work that you're both doing, and it's such important work. And if any of our listeners are experiencing uh, something like this, any of the women out there or any family members, please visit the website livingbeyondgriefandloss.com and check out one of these retreats. And thank you, ladies, both so much for joining me. Oh, well, thank, thank you, you, Diane. That was a pleasure. Thank you, Diane. It was great connecting all the way from Australia. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.